chosen to be back here this evening, that we can come together this the second time upon the first day of the week to worship God we trust both in spirit and in truth with the right attitude and in accordance to what the Bible has to say about our acts of worship gathered together on the first day of the week. Did have the privilege of visiting with Ron and the Rogers and Kersey family. And please allow me to echo what has already been said. Please remember to pray for that family. Please remember to pray for our good friend and brother, Ron Rogers near and dear to all of us and is certainly struggling at this time in a very difficult situation with his breathing in a weakened state. And we just pray that God's will will be done and that He will be comforted and we have no doubt that God will see to those needs. But let's remember Him daily. Let's remember to pray for one another daily. Let's lean upon the great physician for all our needs, whether physical or spiritual in nature. If you have your Bible, would you please open with me or turn to or look at the Gospel of John? 
chapter 13, and the very first verse located there. John 13 and verse 1. Daniel led probably my favorite hymn in the songbook tonight. No, not one. I'm so thankful for that. Love the words of that hymn. It's humbling to me. No friend so high and holy, yet no friend so meek and lowly. That's the whole gauntlet, isn't it? It covers it all. And then, wouldn't you know it, he tore loose and led, follow me right after that. You didn't have any trouble leading that song. Did a fantastic job. I think about the words of that hymn as well. And I always think about every time it says, and then he gently said to me, Let me tell you, Lord, and let me tell you, Lord, and let me tell you, Lord. And the Lord says, Well, let me say something to you, please. Those songs, they have a way of humbling us and certainly teach and admonish one another with them. And it's certainly a joy to sing together with grace in our hearts, to sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding as well as we blend our voices with one mouth and one mind as the book of Romans has taught us. I want you to think about love this evening. We talked about freedom or liberty or being liberated this morning. Just think about the love of God this evening. That's an infinite subject. We could go on and on and on as we think about the provision and love of God. The Bible has so, so much to say. Just think about our Scripture reading from Galatians chapter 5. We covered those verses this morning. But they fit into both contexts. When we think about loving one's neighbor as oneself, we think about being free in Christ and having liberty. That's something that we're admonished to do. Then when we think about the subject of love, there it is once again. Use your liberty in Christ. Your freedoms. Not in a way to serve self, but in a way to love and demonstrate that love to others. So really, we could start right there. Once again, Galatians 5, 13 and 14. God has love for you. Jesus, our Lord, loves mankind. Of Christ, there is love for men and women. And the Bible is not silent on such a topic. First and foremost, the love of God is unchangeable. There will be no altering the love of God. It's said. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father. 
Now notice the rest. Having loved His own, which were in the world, and He loved them to the end. It's unchanging. The love of God is constant. And it's to the very, very end. No matter where you are, if you're a baptized believer in Christ, the love of God follows you. And yea, though you walk through the valley, of the very shadow of death, you can fear no evil. Why? Because the love of God is present in your life. It's unchangeable. Hold to God's unchanging hand as we love to sing. Secondly, two chapters to the right, please, from where you are. Gospel of John. Chapter 15 and verse 9, please. Gospel of John. Chapter 15 and verse 9. The love of God, of Christ toward mankind, is unchangeable, yes, it's also divine. It's out of this world. It's truly godly in nature. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Three times. The Father loved Jesus first. Jesus loves us. There's the second one. And then there is the obligation or the responsibility unto the hearer. Love them in return by continuing in what you know and are convinced that is right which is simply what the Bible says. When we do what God would have us to do according to what is revealed in the pages of Scripture, we indeed demonstrate our love toward God. Four verses forward in that same chapter. If you will jump please from verse 9 to verse 13, you will find located a Scripture that you know by heart. I would venture to say that everyone present in the scope of my voice this evening knows John 15 and verse 13. If not, word for word, you know it fairly well. The Bible says that the love of God is self-sacrificing. Let's read it. 
John 15, 13, just four verses forward from verse 9. Greater love hath no man than this. What is it, Lord? That a man lay down his life for his friends. You have a friend and advocate, as we said this morning, in your Lord. The finest friend that you could ever know and ever have is Jesus Christ with the promise that He will neither leave you nor forsake you. That promise was ordained originally under the Old Covenant and was so important, so essential. Why, it's located in the book of Hebrews in the New Covenant as well. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is the one that made such a statement who is able, more than able, to keep such a statement who cannot lie. There's no falsity found in Him. His Word is truly His bond. And no greater love have this than this. The one to lay down His life for His friends. That's exactly what the Lord was willing to do. Obedient to the very point of death. And not just any death. A horrendous death on the cross of Calvary. Cursed is any man that hangeth upon a tree. And not only did he endure the affliction, the unimaginable pain, and the humiliation for sinners like myself and demonstrate that love that He endured mockery previous, a level of unfairness that would be unknown. And He did it all because He loved you. He cares about your soul. He's about the will and the business of His Father. God, whom is in heaven. The spiritual love of God toward us, unchanging, divine, self-sacrificial, it cannot be separated. Inseparable. Turn your Bible, please, to the book of Romans, 8th chapter, 35th verse, please. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. You know, I was just thinking was not part of the sermon. It's not in my notes. It just came to my mind. What a joy it is that 
we have this privilege just to read these verses together. Just to take some time out of our schedule. Separate ourselves from this old world. and Come together. Brothers and sisters in Christ called out of the world and just focus on such a topic as freedom and love of the Almighty. We are indeed thankful and encouraged and I'm humbled that I have the privilege of just participating and sharing these with you. The love of God is inseparable. Romans 8.35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus? That's an excellent question. Who can do it? What outside force can come in and rob the love of God from you? Is it possible? Well, the Bible has the answer. And you may want to read on down that list. I'm going to stop at verse 35 because it will allow us to see the picture clearly. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Shall distress? No. Shall persecution? No. How about famine? Being destitute? Cannot do it. Nakedness? Being in want? No. Peril? Uncertainty? No. How about death? How about the sword? How about war? No. No, no, no. And no, and no again. Nothing. Unless we decide to turn our backs of our own free will from what we have accepted and been convinced of and know is right, there is no outside source influence or individual that can steal from you the love of God. And here's how good that God truly is. If you yourself did decide to unwisely turn your back and follow after this old world, He would still love you and He would still desire for you to come to your good sense, repent, make an about face, and follow Him once again. He is our Lord who is full of both grace and mercy. He's overflowing. And as long as we have breath, we have opportunity. The difficulty is that day and hour is unknown. 
when you make unwise and foolish decisions, today, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. So we take a great risk if we choose not to continue faithful, or even worse, if we've never obeyed to begin with. We just can't afford to put it off till tomorrow. There's no hope of tomorrow. God holds the germ in His hand as we sing. He outstretches His hand. He has control of all things. And you do not want to wait or take any risk for it to be everlasting. Too late. So we continue faithful. So we realize if we have a decision to make regarding our soul salvation, this is the acceptable hour to make that right decision and be obedient unto God. His love is inseparable according to the Bible. Lastly, would you turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And when you arrive, please, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, would you please go down to verse 14. His love is constraining. Constrains us. Let's read the Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Why? Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. My sin. I'm accountable. And outside of Christ, I'm breathing. I have movement. There's illumination in this whole body. I'm walking around, but spiritually, I have no life. In the sight of God, His wrath pursues me a righteous wrath that's going to be quenched one of two avenues. Judgment Day outside of Jesus. We don't want to think about that and we can't afford that. Or at the cross of Calvary where Jesus paid a debt that He did not owe and He paid it on our behalf and we said in good sense, yes, Lord. I can't save myself. I realize that I'm lost and undone. And I want to respond unto You in Your glorious Gospel. I believe in You. I want You to save my soul from my sins. And I will do by faith what You ask me to do. I appreciate the grace and mercy 
that has been extended that Your Son died in my stead. He did not deserve it and I did. He rose on the third day by Your power and You have extended unto me the opportunity to be a sinner saved by grace. I will read Thy Word. I will believe Thy Word. And I will be an obedient respondent to Thy Word. Christ died for all. He died to make it possible to have salvation. To be purchased by His blood. And to come into the fold and be a part of the New Testament church. And we were lost and undone in our sins and dead spiritually outside of the love of Jesus Christ constraining. And it's sacrificial. That goes without saying. That's been alluded to in every lesson point. The love of God for man is sacrificial that He was willing to give the only begotten. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and was sacrificial and gave Himself for me. If you would like to shed a few tears and become misty-eyed as we say, Read that verse a few times and really think upon these things. If you need to be humbled in any way, read that verse a few times and dwell on these things. And if you truly want to understand the love of God, which I do not, read Galatians 2.20 and think about these things. But I understand what saith the Scriptures. I understand without Jesus we have no hope. And I understand that God is love. And we take Him at His Word. That engrafted Word, according to James chapter 1, has the ability to come into your spiritual self and save your very soul. The engrafted Word. The love of God will never change. It is divine. It's sacrificial. As a matter of fact, we go one step further. It's self-sacrificial. It's constraining and it cannot be separated. 
He is faithful even when we are not. But when we make mistakes, we are admonished to repent. To ask for forgiveness as Christians. And to get back up and strive to walk in a way that will be most pleasing unto the Almighty. And respect the love of God in every aspect of life. If you are present this evening and you have a need to render faithful obedience to your Lord's invitation, it would be our joy to assist. Believe in Jesus Christ. Place your complete faith and trust in Him and believe everything the Bible has to say about Jesus. Because of the faith that you have, be willing to repent of your sins by turning away from them. Because of the faith that you have, be willing to confess before this congregation, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Make that good confession. And because of the faith that you have, be lowered and buried with Him in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your past sins that you'll rise out of that water born again of both water and Spirit, that your sins will be washed away in the mind of God as far as the east is from the west, that God would add you to His church, the church of Christ, and that you will be ready to live and walk and serve faithful all the days that we're blessed to have until we close our eyes in death and He calls us home or until God sees fit to send His Son back to this old world to judge both the living and the dead. Be faithful unto death and I will give unto thee a crown of life. If you are subject to the gospel invitation in any way, if you're present and you simply desire the prayers of Christian people on your behalf, whatever the need may be, won't you come as we stand together and blend our voices for your encouragement? Won't you come? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing path? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you washing the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments are
Washed in the blood.